ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hi, I'm Una Chaplin, and I'm the host of a new podcast called Hollywood Exiles. It tells the story of how my grandfather, Charlie Chaplin, and many others were caught up in a campaign to root out communism in Hollywood. It's a story of glamour and scandal and political intrigue and a battle for the soul of a nation. Hollywood Exiles from CBC Podcasts and the BBC World Service. Find it wherever you get your podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. Oh my god, it's see also time. I'm Brody Lancaster. I'm Kate Jinx. Yeah, it is see also time BL, and it's always a good time for me. Say, I'm really glad to hear it. Um, I it took all of my willpower not to open this episode with a Lordy Elvis voice. <laughs> there is time enough for that. There is. We're gonna have to wait a little while. Uh, but I saw Pr- everyone. Don't worry. I saw Priscilla this morning. Congratulations. <laughs> Thanks, little one. What does he call it? Little m- my girl. How's my girl? That's how I'm going to open every episode, asking you, how's my girl? I'm surprised that's not how you speak to Carol already. How do you know it's not? Yeah, maybe it is <laughs> when I'm not around. Silla. Um, we've both had some pretty glam little movie experiences the last few days, Jinxie. Oh, yeah. We've been really in the cinemas, haven't we? We really have. New ones, fancy ones. New ones, fancy ones. Yeah, I went down to Lawn. Uh, an area of Melbourne slash Victoria I had not been to before, I have to say. And um, lovely, if you've never heard of For it. For Toddy's. Jinxie just really wanted to go to Toddy's Lawn. <laughs> I did have dinner at Toddy's. <laughs> You're so Sydney. <laughs> lawn. Go to the Sydney restaurant. Uh, no, I went down to Lawn for just for the night for the opening of the Lawn Theatre by Golden Age Cinema. Golden Age, of course, the beautiful cinema and bar in Surrey Hills in Sydney have now taken over the incredible, huge lawn cinema that's right on the beach. So, you like, you exit the cinema, there's, like, beautiful Art Deco cinema, and you are just staring at the sea. It's incredible. Or the opposite, you, like, bond a girl out of the water, and then you just go straight <laughs> into, like, a 7pm showing of Renaissance. Yeah, BYO towel. They should probably sell towels at the, at the they, candy bar. Do you know what they need is those things that, like, pool change rooms where you, like, shove your bathing suit in and it wrings it all, all the water out of it. Oh, I love those. Yeah, they should have one of those at the front. Those are so magical. But, yeah, it's, um, it's such a beautiful building with, like, really lovely old details that have been freshened up and the refreshments that they sell are mm-hmm. very very good oh yeah what Delicious. are we talking about like lovely little chocolates and uh drinks and really good popcorn chocolates or like choc tops they have 
I'm sure they've got choc tops. You I just didn't partake. You just had some lovely chocolates. I saw the lovely chocolates. I just had some some popcorn. But there's also a little book stall where you can buy some great books. Oh. And then we watched the first film that they screened that uh, the new head of programming there, Jessa Shields, screened was the newly remastered Stop Making Sense. And it was so fun to see it in this like massive cinema that I'd never been to before. Gorgeous. That's so fun. I can't wait to go down there. Like summer is calling me to the movies as if I haven't been enough recently. Yeah, it's like two hours out of Melbourne. It's nothing. And I didn't just go to Toddy's. Thank you. Okay. Of course you... I wasn't even planning to talk about that, but uh, you knew. I I sensed. I sensed. (laughs) You sensed. I went to this really great Greek restaurant for lunch called Ipsos, Mm. and you would love it. The food was fantastic. The wine, delicious. The interior, new and lovely. I have a feeling, as you're describing this, that I once had to write about this place for a piece of branded content about spending time <laughs> in regional Victoria, but I had never been there before. I just had to, like, stitch it together, as we copywriters want to do, mm-hmm. from, like, Google reviews, mm. Instagram posts, etc. Yeah, well, it it's worth it. Love. Um, yeah, it was great. And it's like this family-run business. It's been there for 50-plus years. We're talking to the owner. It's like his father's built business before him. And, yeah, it was really – like it was one of the best dining experiences I've had for a little while. Gorge. I um, I love going down to the beach to the Dramana Drive-In when oh, yeah. I'm going to stay at a friend's place in um, Mount Martha over the summer in years past. So it's really nice to have another cute – old-fashioned kind of theatre down there. Mm, It's really good. I had a bit of a trek to, like, a seaside cinema of my own, except mine was just in Elstonwick. Um, Is that the seaside? Well, so, as I told you before I left, the bus near my house, which is in the inner north of Melbourne, goes all the way to Elstonwick. It was, like, an hour-long trip each way, but, like, by the time I get near there, I'm kind of going along, like, the boulevard like near kind of past St Kilda Beach towards Elwood Beach I think Mm -hmm. and then the bus just makes a hard left and then deposits me simply around the corner from the classic cinema in Elstonwick. Uh, The Jewish International Film Festival is on at the moment and so I saw that there was one screening of Zone of Interest, Mm -hmm. the Jonathan Glazer film that you raved about seeing in Cannes and I just get thee to a cinema and my God, what a fucking movie. Yeah, it's hard to discuss. It's hard to discuss. It's hard to watch. Uh, I don't think it's out in Australia until February. I'm not sure if we would talk about it in great detail on the podcast. Maybe we will in February. Let's see how we go. But like, highly, highly recommend, as you did many months ago on the pod. Yeah, and isn't the Micah Levy soundtrack incredible? The score? <gasps> fucking hell. Like, so many. I could tell that people around me were rustling a little like when it first starts there's kind of a gray screen and you just hear this droning soundtrack and it goes on for so long that you start to think that the film's something's gone wrong in the projection booth Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then you just start to hear like crickets and birds and like it just blasts you with like this sunny day in Auschwitz yeah yeah but I also went to Pentridge Cinemas in Coburg on Saturday. I've been to the movies every day for the past four days. My friend wanted to go there and we went to see Bottoms and I'm glad that I went. It was a very rainy day and so public transport was like very musty. Um, but 
I made a joke about like, haha, should I wear like a chopper t-shirt or something to Pentridge? And she was like, there's a museum about the about the prison right next to the cinema there. Mm, yeah, there is. There are so many cinemas inside the palace at Pentridge. But when we left, we looked out a window and there was just like the walls of the former prison and there was just a crow sitting there staring at us through the window. It was very eerie. It is eerie. And uh, Bottoms, I still haven't seen it. Yeah. I got it, right? Yeah, you do. It was, I mean, like everything at the moment, it took about 10 years to arrive in Australia after everyone else got to watch it overseas. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I thought it was, look, I think my take on Bottoms is that I think the parts were all really good. What's my take on Bottoms? (laughs) They're great. Give them a little credit. (laughs) Um, I think it had like incredible parts. I'm not sure if they didn't click together. Like jigsaw puzzle analogy, like a Ravensburger versus like a more cheaply made puzzle. And I I think, you know, like the cast is great. The soundtrack's fun. The setup and the premise, it kind of takes place in this like very absurd, unrealistic high school environment. And I kind of feel like the world of the high school wasn't established enough before they started to play with it. Right. You know, like a cheaper puzzle. Or you've had, like, one too many Christmas cocktails while you're at your family-in-law's house or something like that, uh-huh. and you're doing it. Eventually, it's like, I know this doesn't fit together, but it could fit. It Technically, it fits. And I want to support... I can make it fit. I want to support the the doing of the puzzle, and yeah. I, want, I want more puzzles to be made in the future. But this one... It was like a three for me. Okay. Yeah. I'm still going to see it. Yeah, absolutely. I think everyone should still see it because, like I said, I want more movies like this to be made. I mean, it's a tight 90 mins too, which was great. Yeah. What else have you seen? Something else? Have you seen more than that? Yeah. Oh, my yeah. God, I, do you, I do not understand how your calendar works. You've seen it. It's color-coded. Yes, true. There are times for not doing anything in between all of this. Okay, good. That's good to know. Yeah. That makes me feel good. Um, okay, so I've kind of worked back. Priscilla today, Zone of Interest yesterday, uh, Bottoms the day before. And the day before that, my little stint started with Renaissance, the Beyonce. So coming back to the concept movies, we're in an era of them. Stop making sense. Taylor Swift's eras to a film, which I'm not going to see, by the way, because I'm going to see the concert in February. And I don't I have avoided watching the show via TikTok for this long but I went to see Renaissance because there's no fucking world in which Beyonce is bringing that tour to Australia. It's been ten. It's been ten years, Beyonce. It's yeah, been ten years. Coming. You're not coming. She is not popping up in Brunswick anytime soon. No, 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 not again. Um, it was incredible. I highly recommend it. It's like truly like mind blowing commitment to like artistry and craft, and but also like giving credit to everyone involved. It it really is like a film about the show and also the putting on of the show. Like she credits the people who are like assembling the screen that all the visuals are displayed on, and like there's a segment on the dancers and like the Vogue kind of like performers and then the backing singers and Blue Ivy gets her segment and like Uncle Johnny gets his segment. Like it's really beautiful and it's like so loud to watch in a cinema, which is really fun because at first I was like, oh, am I seeing too close to the speaker? And then I was like, no, I'm at the Renaissance tour. That's cool. Yeah, it's very cool. Cool for you. I'm not seeing it. You're not going to see it? No. It's a long movie. There are very good, like, the seeing all of the outfits up close and often in montage form is, like, 
unreal and like Beyonce is so hot and like the Beyonce kind of mythology project it's just been fun to like keep track of over the years mm. um but I, I didn't realize until watching this how many times I have watched her in like black and white home video mode but because she's been producing and releasing these kind of documentary projects so often over the last like 10 years I was like here's another shot of Beyonce without makeup and a hoodie on talking about like you know making sure that we all see that she's the one who's making all the decisions at this show yeah totally yeah I'm killed to see Beyonce live but that said I never listen to Beyonce's music I never ever listen to her albums yeah like, like when they drop I'm like okay and then I listen dutifully and then I'm like all right. Okay. And then, like, I never, ever return to them. Yeah. I think Renaissance is, like, spectacular and it's doing something very different with her legacy and her craft. Um, and it almost feels like it didn't fully work as, like, separate songs. As an album, it, I was kind of curious about it. And then watching this spectacle of the tour, I was like, oh, this is what it was for. Yeah. It was for this perform. It was for performance, mm. really. And fashion and the it was for the coming together of all of those elements and it was just the first thing that she happened to release had to be an album sure it's such a cliche but like i'm a solange girl you're the indie girl i listen to solange's albums so much and i've seen her you know live and she's incredible well she loves coming to the opera house famously (laughs) so you know like that's Yeah. yeah yeah i mean losing wait losing you yeah, losing you. Losing you. Yeah, iconic. Of an era-defining song. Yeah, I saw her on that tour when she played at the Prince Band Room in St Kilda, which is like I think like four or five hundred capacity. In Sun. Yeah, great. Yeah, but like, I'm not uh, saying you have to pick a sister. No, I know you're not. But if I did, <laughs> this that's is why I'm picking. This is why you're the high culture and I'm the low culture. <laughs> That is not how that works. Also, Beyonce is not low culture. She's like, (laughs) there was a moment in the film where I remember thinking, it's so cool that like the biggest pop auteur kind of in the world is this cool and this referential and this smart and is making music so good and so fun. Like, it's very impressive. But why does everything have to be three hours long? In, yeah. in the current culture. Still making sense. Not current culture, but kind of is. And is a concert movie. 90 Mins. 90 Mins. Yeah, it's perfect. That's perfect. I started a tradition a few years ago of watching that on New Year's Day. I only did it twice, but that still that's, counts. That's enough. But that's like, that's all I'd want out of an actual concert also. Yeah. And like the fact that Taylor Swift's show is three hours and her... What would have to be? Because people can't spend so much money on it, right? That's the thing. I'm I'm almost like, is this a snake eating its tail thing where the show has to justify the price, has to justify the amount her fans love her and are willing to spend, which has to justify the amount of time since they've seen her live because of the pandemic. It's like everything was three years delayed. And so I'm like, the scale is so massive now that like they, they can't go backwards from here. Like Taylor Swift can't just turn around after selling out three MCGs in Melbourne, 300,000 tickets and play a 10,000 capacity show or a 50,000 capacity show. You know, it's like things have reached their peak. Beyonce is pe- playing mm. in like stadiums mm. And if you can't go bigger from here, like, what's next? A four-hour show? That's dangerous. No one has the time. 
No. Like, I sure don't. I had to carve out, like, a work day recently to go and see Killers of the Flower Moon. (laughs) Hey, actually, I've got a, not a bone to pick with you, Beale, but it's early December and um, I've been to your place twice in December so far. There ain't no tree up. Chinksy, I've never had a Christmas tree. Mm -hmm. Really? Yeah. Not of my own making. Wow. I thought about it literally this morning, actually, because the fruit and veg shop across the road has their little pine trees out, mm-hmm. but I don't have decorations. Mm-hmm. And I'm going home for Christmas, like to visit my niece who has a Christmas tree up for Christmas. Yeah, but that's not for ages. Well, y- you are Christmas culture. Yeah, I'm Christmas culture. You famously love Christmas. I do love Christmas. I have my Bon Maman jam advent calendar. I'm so sorry. You do. You are celebrating. You are being festive. I did forget about your jam advent calendar. I'll show it to you when we finish recording. I'm sure you will. (laughs) I currently have opened three jams. It's the 4th of December. I've opened three jams and one tea packet. Fucking single serve tea bag. Not interested. Mm. Not be- being very. I'm being a real Grinch about it. Well, I once did not have a Christmas tree, and was living in New York, and couldn't really deal with that. And so I just decorated a broken lamp that was in the apartment. <laughs> Where did your love of Christmas come from? You were like. It's your, it's your culture. You're obsessed with Christmas. I've always really loved Christmas. Mm. I like the cheesy films. I like the music. I like the devastating films. Like, I like the the beauty and the bleakness of all of Christmas, I suppose. Fair. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Everything like, is heightened at Christmas. Yeah, I think it's I think it's probably partly because it was like this moment of like actual kind of I don't know, like this moment of childhood that I had, Mm -hmm. that everything kind of was my age for once. Like Mm -hmm. I was, you know, there's a big age gap between my sister and I, and it was sort of, I don't know, leveled out or something at Christmas time. Yeah. When everyone goes traditional, we all become kids. Yeah. And also like, I'm not from a religious family at all. So there was, I never perceived it as like it was always like oh it's actually pagan you know like I (laughs) didn't ever have the religious side of it I never had to go to church I never had any of that Uh, we didn't celebrate the baby Jesus you know like so I didn't have any of that element of like oh god I have to do this or whatever it was just purely like the tree looks great and your tree always looks great my tree always looks great you got it up on december 1st well i was in lawn so december 2 though you're fucking cancelled the christmas community <laughs> is gonna revoke your membership <laughs> if they hear this but i haven't made my puddings yet which is like dire for what, me what are you gonna watch while you boil your puds this year yeah. famously just, just not sure what i'm gonna do last year Lindsay lowen's movie was your pud boiler of the season <laughs> I was thinking of going a little bit more high, high culture and uh, maybe watching Fanny and Alexander because I haven't seen that in so long. What it's is Christmas-y. that? Oh, great film. It's quite sad. But, you know, I, what else? I watched Serendipity for the first time in a long time last year. Mm-hmm. Dreadful film. Mm-hmm. But I thought, oh, maybe I can come back to that. I don't know. Yeah, you could come back to that. Although we let's do a let's do a new a new watch. I can't wait to hear what this is, what your put boiler of the season is. Well, speaking of Christmas movies, mm-hmm. our next episode of See Also 
We are going to be doing a poodle dedicated to not the greatest Christmas film ever. Not even up there in the top ten. One that has come up surprisingly quite a bit in conversation. Yeah. It's Happiest Season and I'm going to be joined by a special guest, Chelsea Fairless from Every Outfit. She uh, came on and talked Carol last year, if you remember. So It's now a tradition, lesbian Christmas movies. There has to be a new one for next year. Are there more? No, no. I was about to say, what do your people watch? Your Christmas people and <laughs> your Christmas queer community. Culture. <laughs> That's the thing. When people always described Mardi Gras as gay Christmas, I'd be like, no, Christmas is gay Christmas. Christmas is gay Christmas. Um, okay. We, we mentioned Priscilla, Zone of Interest, a few other movies that aren't getting Australian releases. There for a while. There is another movie that seems to not be getting any Australian release at all. And it is Joanna Hogg's Eternal Daughter. There are no plans as yet, I don't believe. But we did manage to watch it this past year. And as dutiful members of the Hog Hive, around the world, dutiful members of the Hog Hive are keeping their ears out for screenings and letting us fucking know about it. And one of them sent in a little scene report of a recent Q&A with herself, Queen herself, Joanna Hogg. Yeah, Queen herself speaking in Edinburgh and uh, talking about the film. And yeah, thank you, Tam Zimmert, for getting in touch with this very important Hog Hive update. Hello from Hog HQ in Edinburgh. I took myself through to Glasgow last night to meet up with my friend Kate and go and see The Eternal Daughter. And then we got a special bonus Q&A with Joanna Hogg afterwards. And I didn't realise going into this film that it was the third after Souvenir, Souvenir Part 2, and then The Eternal Daughter. Bit of a trilogy. But the cool thing is, I think, is that it can be uh, considered a standalone, but you will get more if you have seen The Souvenir and The Souvenir Part 2, because our Tilda, as I feel like I can call her in Scotland, like you can say our Nick in Sydney or our Troy in Melbourne, um, our Tilda reprises her role as Rosalind and then also plays the role of Julie, which was played by her own daughter in the other films. And Joanna Hogg is just so good at mothers and daughters and grief and memory. Um, And in the Q&A afterwards, the journo said to her, this is kind of like your own Marvel universe. (laughs) Um, But she just said, well, I don't like trickery. I like things as they are. And that really comes across in this film. They also talked about this twist, which as soon as you start watching the film, it is not a twist at all. It will become (laughs) incredibly obvious to you straight away. But I kind of like that they viewed it as this real (gasps) moment. And I guess in terms of the other films, it's not as good but it doesn't really matter. And she said last night that Tilda couldn't be at the Q&A at Glasgow Film Theatre on a Sunday night because she was working in London. But then I got a text from a friend this morning saying that their friend had seen Tilda at the club last night dressed all in white and just having a really sick time. And that made me incredibly, incredibly happy. I love the idea that Tilda lied to get out of going to 
do a screening. <laughs> very, very me. I love that she was seen on a dance floor. That she was busted. Um, so, yeah, this is also a PSA for any fellow Hog Hive members around the world. If Eternal Daughter makes it to your town, like, it's your duty to go. But also, like, we never know when this film is going to arrive on any of our shores. So, like, take the opportunity when it comes. It is law and it is part of the souvenir universe. And so you must. Yeah, we also would love to hear a, a little dispatch if you are also in the vicinity of, of Hog. Did you see that? I mean, I say did you. I know you did. The photo of Joanna Hogg signing the Girls on Top t-shirt. I sure did. With her name on it. I did. Do we need th- do we need one? Have you ever thought about being a Girls on Top girl? I've been sent them. Which ones? I was sent the Chloe Zhao one. Oh, yeah. I can't picture you wearing them. I think they're cool and support it. And I think that it's just too on brand for me that it's like off brand, you know, it's like yes. it's gone full circle for me that it becomes Fully. on the nose. So no, but I do see them around. Like people wear them a lot at yeah. like film festivals and stuff like that. I met someone once who wore the Greta Gerwig one to a James Corden taping in LA <laughs> where Greta Gerwig was the guest and she like pointed it out on her way to the stage and then talked about it from stage and then it all got cut from the telecast because James Corden was kind of like, why aren't you wearing a t-shirt with my name on it? What a little prick. What a little cunt. My God, I don't understand. He's not, is he still on air? No, thankfully he's got, he's been deported or whatever back to the UK. Oh, UK does not want him. They don't. They do not want him. They don't. He's like, he he did that thing that like people not from America do where they arrive in America and they're like, I'm beloved. Totally. And Americans don't question it. It's like, like, oh, all right. It's like how Betty Who has convinced (laughs) Americans that she's like a famous Australian famous Australian. Well, there are so many people, like so many bands and yeah, artists who are not famous in America, but they're super famous in Australia. Yeah. Like Pink. Pink. (laughs) I remember like Ben Harper and... Ben Harper's not famous in America? I mean, I'm sure he is, but he seemed to like really be famous. Yeah. Like the Dandy Warhols. They were like huge here. Yeah, right. I, I heard recently, maybe it was someone discussing Saltburn, that um, Block Party weren't as, like, didn't, weren't really a thing in America, but because they were so big here in, in the UK, it was like enemy culture. Did any of those British bands actually make it in the States? Because they were so obsessed with their own, like, mm. the Strokes, Yeah, Yeah, Yeah's, etc. Mm. Like, I don't <laughs> know, did, like, Ladytron chart americans let us know we don't fucking know we don't know i'm like they're big they're big they're big head over to hulu this march where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long catch the award-winning movie poor things starring emma stone mark ruffalo and willem dafoe check out the new documentary freaknik the wildest party never told about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. 
You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. No one loves listening to ads on a podcast, but we know they're kind of a fact of life at this stage, right? Yeah, it's like death, taxes, weird ads promoting luxury cars, sure. But we've been planning a new era of See Also that means less ads, more episodes, and, of course, a little bit of bonus stuff too. We're really excited to announce we've been teasing it for a few weeks now, but uh, we have started a Patreon We're accepting patrons of the arts because we're (laughs) art now, I guess. Um, Yeah, if you sign up, you'll uh, get some bonus episodes throughout the year that we're already kind of planning and pre-recording for. And importantly, a minimum of six extra ad-free episodes of See Also every year, including over the holidays. They're right around the corner. So if you do sign up, you will have fresh episodes in your feed just before Christmas and New Year's to keep you company. Yeah, and Hawkeye members also get the chance to submit uh, questions for future Q&A episodes. And we actually, you might remember, did a call out for some questions a little while ago. And you might be like, I asked a question and these bitches never answered it. But there were so many asking for cute itineraries for Melbourne and Sydney holidays. So we figured we would kick things off on the Patreon with our guide to eating, staying, arting around the best spots in Melbourne and Sydney, including Jinxie's much requested list of Sydney swimming spots, which personally I'm very grateful to have. Uh, So you'll get that bonus episode as well as some handy Google map companions to our lists as soon as you sign up. It's right there right now. uh, As soon as you're ready to pop on over to the Patreon and you'll also find an ad free version of this week's episode and all future ones. Yeah, look, it's really juicy. We've worked hard to make it feel valuable and fun for you. But also, look, we get it. If you just can't add another subscription to your list right now, that is fine. We are still here for you. Don't worry. You'll still get the same podcast at the same frequency from us as always. You'll just have a little break over the next couple of weeks when we're having a break too. But normal episodes, that won't ever change. Never. So if you're keen to sign up, pop over to patreon.com slash see also and we'll see you there. See you there behind the paywall. Okay, it's been a little while between our book clubs here on See Also BL, but we have been reading the same book you have finished it. I have not quite finished it. We've so been literally reading the same copy of it. <laughs> we have because I was reading on Kindle and then I had to give the Kindle to my girlfriend <laughs> so I never finished the book. <laughs> um, yeah, the book is Anne Patchett's Tom Lake, which I think you started reading and you were like, let's both read it for the pod. I was like, great. I started and then two months later finished. I really fell off my like reading kick 
towards the end of this year. Oh, so did I really badly. But when I knew this episode was coming up, I like powered through and then was kind of okay. No, but I was kind of relieved when you were like, I haven't got around to finishing it yet because I was like, God, we're in the same boat, babe. <laughs> yeah, I just I just couldn't get there. Yeah. I'm really enjoying it. It's a slow mover of a book, though. It's not one that you're like, God, I've got to keep turning these pages to rush to the end. It's like a very sweet kind of like pleasant space to be in, but it's not like you're tearing through to see what happens on the lake. No, it's not like a pot boiler. <laughs> uh, is this your first Anne Patchett? It is. It's my first Anne Patchett. When I posted my Instagram reading cracking that spine at Carlton Baths oh my god it was the day that Carlton Baths reopened o- October 1st that I started reading Tom Lake um what a momentous <laughs> my DMs were freaking flooded every single person who reacted to the cover of Tom Lake had ideas and thoughts on what I should read next and what I should avoid and they all contradicted one another okay and so I'm not really sure where to go next with my patchet but I think I'm just gonna have to make that decision for myself I'm thinking Commonwealth or the Dutch house well what do you think I have only read one other Anne Patchett book and it was the Dutch house and I loved it I think I might have a copy on my shelf behind me because I'm pretty sure I found one at a free library, one of those little roadside public libraries, which I kind of hate but um I took it I took that copy it felt like a big like pandemic read uh like a lot of people I knew were reading it in like early early lockdowns which is interesting because Tom Lake is actually set during the pandemic yeah and I didn't hate it I didn't hate it either and it is the first time that I have not hated something set in the pandemic yeah I think because the pandemic isn't the Focus. It's no. not. We were the we were the family at home on our farm when we couldn't see anyone in the world was scary. It's we're a family on a farm telling this story, and this, these are our lives kind of spilling out. And then every now and then, there's a reference to like all the farmers getting together to watch a movie, but they're sitting on blankets six feet apart. Mm, yeah, and like the the reason why they're all together on the farm, like mm. so essentially, it's set over two timelines. Which I really enjoyed. Me too. In this. So essentially, Lara, the matriarch of this family of, she's got a husband and three daughters who are all very different to each other. And we get to know their kind of foibles. As trios of sisters always are. Well, they gotta be, right? They're all living on a cherry farm owned by the family in Michigan. The cherry farm has been in the family for a long time, generations. In fact, like... The husband's parents or, like, family members are, like, buried on the property yeah. and they talk about the gravestones, etc. Yeah. Because of the pandemic, they don't have the usual workers coming to pick all the cherries, so they have to do it themselves. Mm-hmm. So to kind of while away that time and make everything go faster, Lara, the mother who's in her late 50s, she starts telling the girls this story of how she was an actress and about like this other great love of her life that's not their father. Yeah. And like they kind of set up this world where everyone in the, everyone in the world is obsessed with this like celebrity actor who's kind of been, 
I don't know what's a com- can you hear Carol crying in the background? Oh, yeah. Sorry if you can. Uh, she just wants attention. She just wants to sit with Kate. Um, she has like a big opinion about this, but she's like, don't read the Dutch House. Actually, you should read. She's such a Commonwealth head. Um, okay, so the the reason the girls are all like dying to hear this story about their mother's life, you know, not a very relatable experience for any of us, is because uh, of the kind of romantic lead of this story an actor called Duke. They all refer to him as Duke, Peter Duke. And he is in the present day, in the pandemic day, this like big celebrity. He's like a beloved actor that they've all grown up, that the whole world has grown up watching. Like he played like a doting single father on a sitcom, but he also like make them laugh, like song and dance man in like classic Hollywood comment, like studio comedies. Um, But the family connection is that Lara had this short-lived stint as an actress when she was like, I don't know, like 19, right? Mm. And she went to be like a kind of like preparatory player at Tom Lake, this little acting school. It's not a school, but they're all just like ringing stars of this like summer program. Yeah, it's summer stock production. Summer stock, that's it, thank you. And um, they kind of start sleeping together and falling in love from like the second she arrives and by the time she leaves they you know, are no longer together. It's like this real whirlwind romance and like she never acted again after this. So all these girls know is like the summer our mother fell in love with a movie star. Yeah, and also that she never really wanted to be a movie star. She never really wanted to be an Mm. actress. She kind of fell into it literally in the rehearsals and there was this like brief moment before she went to Michigan to be to be in our town where like she kind of could have made it in Hollywood and yeah. that's like that was one of my favorite bits in the book when she's like oh, Lara's Hollywood years yeah totally like living over there like trying to get into a film and just being like photographed in a bikini etc yeah yeah (laughs) she just had to prove that she could swim so she could be like a kind of like gidget background actor or something (laughs) um or like in a scarier version like scream 3 maureen prescott on like the back lots just being like (laughs) brought into casting couches anyways um but yeah that idea like the timeline and structure of this book really worked for me there was never a moment where you're like wait where are we um oh no you knew yeah and like the world of the farm was so sweet, but also that just the sentiment of like not knowing your parents as people and like Lara being the central narrator as a woman older than us. It's like, oh, her life and her like thoughts and her world is still so richly drawn just as it was when she was like 20 and like the ingenue and like the quote unquote like star Mm -hmm. of the film or the play or whatever. Like that idea that like this woman's life has been like worth hearing about forever. Yeah. Also that the stories that she's telling them, like, it's very much like her curated version of the story. So she is choosing to be the narrator. It's not just some kind of tell-all. Mm. Like, she is holding facts, certain things back. And, like, there's a moment in the book where she's talking to her husband and he's like, what are you up to? And she mm. says something like, oh, I'm not giving them the good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. We get her unvarnished, kind of uncurated story but we also hear her giving her daughters this the safer parent version mm. but still telling them this is more than I've ever told you about this story before because you're grown ups and you want to hear it I'm really enjoying it I'm finished and I need to finish it but it's kind of more 
pleasant a book than I usually find myself reading. It's very sweet and kind of inconsequential. Yeah, there was a, I think it was in The Guardian, like some review of it described it as strangely peaceable, which is what it is. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Um, And in that same one, actually, the writer, Rachel Cook, it's a good piece. I don't usually read reviews of things until I've finished them. Same. I, I couldn't help myself. And, um... Yeah, Rachel Cook said, uh, I also see that in this a later, quieter book, she's pulling off a trick at least as daring, which is to take the temperature of a whole life and by doing so to prioritise happiness over misery, which I kind of liked the the idea of taking the temperature of a life. Mm, mm. And like there are there are dramatic moments, but the, the way that the story is, it's told with so much hindsight that it's like, okay, here we are at the really dramatic part. The reason why I stopped acting, why everything fell apart or why this Mm. went wrong and like the idea that you're getting you're you're being told a story from a very resolved adult moved on point of view makes it so like simple and like it's not it's not outrageous and like emotional anymore because she's not she hasn't been in it for so long and her life is just so different now that she's like oh then that happened Mm. Yeah, that thing that devastated me. That happened 35 years ago. Yeah, it just becomes kind of part of life. Who do you picture as Duke? Oh, I kind of pictured, um, and it's the wrong era because he was starting out young movie star in the 80s in this book, so totally wrong. But I pictured him as like a young Robert Redford type Mm. and her as Sissy Spacek. What about you? Okay, so my gut reaction, and this is very wrong, is like an Alan Alda. Oh, but yeah. But Alan Alda was never a... He's not hot he, enough. I mean, he is. He was hot in MASH. But not, I know that he was never cast as a heartthrob or like yeah. a heartthrob. So I'm like, okay, it's Alan Alda, but if he were... If he had like a salt and pepper quiff, like that's what I pictured Duke in his like singing, dancing, tap dancing kind of era. Like Dick Van Dykey, but hot. Yeah. And so, like a salt and pepper zaddy. Because DVD was never hot. Let's no, not. No, no, no. And so in that sense, I'm like, okay, are we just going to go the obvious route and be like, he was kind of like a Brando. Because like Brando had that like, you you know that even before he was famous, he was like the hottest man in every room he ever walked into. Mm. And that was Duke's kind of power. They describe him as like taking a t-shirt out of her suitcase and it's like a pink Disneyland t-shirt. And I was like... God, a, like, muscly straight man wearing a pink Disneyland T-shirt, like, stretched over his biceps. Nothing better. I kind of am thinking now, he's like a Harrison Ford when he was being a carpenter (gasps) at Joan Didion's house. Yeah. yeah. Like, that era. (laughs) You've nailed it. Yeah. I think that is who it is. But if he never got mean and, like, resentful. Yeah. Like, Harrison Ford never sang or danced, but if he... He could have. He could have. And he should (laughs) have. He could have been should have. Put down the Call whip. Agent. Pick up the tap shoes. Harrison. Callista. Let him out of the house. Um, were you familiar at all with Our Town? No. Because the play, <laughs> there's so much of the play in this book that you kind of, I was like, is this a real play? Like, I am so unfamiliar with Our Town. Is Our Town the movie they do in Ladybird? 
I don't know. No, no, that's merrily we roll along. Yet, yeah, no, same. One of my notes is, feel like I should have known a whole lot more about our town. And then, like, seven <laughs> exclamation marks. Yeah, I because I was looking it up and I actually found this quite good interview with Ann Patchett about it. And the interviewer said, do you have any personal memories or associations with our town? And she said, I just adore our town. I read it in high school and I feel certain I've read it every year since. It's a great touchstone for me. Well, she cre- she says in the acknowledgements, or maybe it's in an interview, but she says somewhere that like she's just very grateful that the effect of this book is going to be that people seek out our town and spend more time with like that playwright's work. That playwright. I don't even know his name. I don't even know who wrote it. But it's very much that like this is the American story. It is like a family and it it's like everywheresville, USA, and it's like a woman who's a girl, and that's the Emily who um Lara plays, and then she gets pregnant and then she dies at the end. So that's the big thing is that she dies. Yeah. And everyone sobs. I think it's like <laughs> Like, because I don't know it, and I've read so much about it in this book, but the way I picture it is the play that Smith Jared was in, in Sex and the City. (laughs) Yeah, I think with less dicks. Like when they left Manhattan and went to Brooklyn for that show and Berger was an asshole and like... Yeah, he didn't go in with her. He didn't go in, even though he's wearing that red Prada shirt because of the most... Anyway, blah, 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 blah. But it's when Smith Jared like drops his overalls and then like the final line is just I always think of this line you know those lines that just like rattle around in your head but it's my youth (laughs) anyway that is what I see as our town like the final line of it is someone going this was our town (laughs) (laughs) yeah and like which is so Christopher Guesty as well right yeah yes yes Um, when you were in (laughs) India I sent you a TikTok video and it's a girl who is doing Lisa Barlow voice reading different pieces of literature but you couldn't watch it you sent me back a screenshot telling me that India had banned TikTok several (laughs) years ago Okay, I'm going to put this in the show notes because I think people need to watch it without knowing the plot of Our Town. It's basically this girl doing Lisa Barlow voice being like, Dr. Webb, I I knew I needed you down at the town. (laughs) This would be more impactful if I knew the script. If I was a Lara, you know. If we knew anything about Our Town. If I was a lifelong Emily. Another thing I'm enjoying about the book is this kind of creeping news about like climate change that kind of yes. winds its way through the book, but it's never, it's never hitting, nothing's hitting you over in this book at all. It's like just gently brushing your cheek with like a cherry blossom. Absolutely. It's just like Carol coming and like brushing up against your leg. Yeah. Carol, my cat, not Kate Blanchett. Yeah, absolutely. But um, I enjoy all those sorts of little, you know, like the way that the cherry trees are changing and the landscape is changing and like... These questions of like, am I going to have children because of climate change? You know, I really enjoy all that. That was a really great bit when, yeah, one of the one of the daughters kind of tells the whole family very matter of factly, like, we're not having children, and everyone's reactions to that are very telling. And she's like, look at the trees, look at the farm, like, we're not going to do that. Yeah, it was great. It I was really great. loved that too. I think I, I don't know, my copy might have dog yet that page. You can go <laughs> and find it again. Do you have any see also's for Tom Lake? 
just Lisa Barlow doing Old Town. <laughs> Our town, Old Town. Um, what about you? Uh, I've got a couple. Um, there is it's just actually two other pieces by Anne Patchett that you can read online. Uh, one is called I Wanted to Get Rid of My Possessions Because Possessions Stood Between Me and Death. Mm-hmm. I actually think we've talked about it before. You have The No Buy Year. Uh, no, that's. I think that's different. Is that a different author? Oh. Or is that Anne Patchett no, who stopped Anne buying Patchett. stuff for a year? This is about like giving giving her stuff away. Sure, but she's the person who stopped I shopping. That, I think she did. She owns a bookshop, right? Yeah, she does. Yeah, very Judy Bloom. Very Judy Bloom. Very Emma Straub. Very Emma Straub. Um, but so this was in the New Yorker in um, 2021. We'll link to that. It's a really good piece. Um, talking essentially about like trying to get rid of things because someone else is going to have to deal with all your shit after you die. I think about this constantly, Kate. Mm. And if you have, like, older parents, etc., like, it is something that you'll be, yeah, you'll get a lot out of this. And the other one is, I think it's an extract from her book, These Precious Days, which is a book that I'm always shocked no one's ever bought for me. It's got a little dog on the cover. Anyway. and um, Dropping hints. <laughs> like, Smith Jarrett dropped those overalls. Exactly. Well, yeah, this one is called, um, I think it's called like, Tell Me How the Story Ends. It's in Harper's and it's essentially about a friendship, an unlikely friendship that she started up or fell into during her lockdown period with Tom Hanks. Oh, yeah, it's really great. Is he Duke? I mean, he's a bit of a like... He was a hunk. He was a hunk when he was young. He hmm. performed on that big piano. Remember, okay. remember Splash, Tom Hanks? He was hot. Oh, uh, I mean, yeah, he was cute and big too. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. Put a pin in that. All right, Jinx, it's time for Also Also's. What is your first recommendation? Well, I know I just mentioned that Anne Patchett book. I'm surprised nobody has bought me, but... This one is a recommendation specifically for my girlfriend to buy me this for Christmas. Is this what the podcast is used for now? (laughs) Well, it is at this time of year, BL. It is a brand new book that just came out. It's called Agnes Varda, Director's Inspiration. It's a visual tribute to her work across both film and visual arts. And apparently it has lots of great archival materials in there, which you know, big love, and um, has essays by the likes of uh, like Jane Birkin, Chloe Zhao, Girls on Top's Chloe Zhao. Wow. uh, Sandrine Bonner. I think Scorsese's in there as well. Anyway, it's just come out. It's available at Metropolis Bookshop in Melbourne. Shout out. Um, Zoe, you're on notice. My first one is a recommendation for a shop I have not been to yet. I want to recommend for anyone going to Tasmania over the next little while, two dear friends of mine, Rob, who's a designer and legend of zine making in Melbourne, and Sophie, his partner, who's a textile artist, have opened a studio of art, design, textiles, and printed matter in Hobart called Mountain Eye. I'm beyond overdue for a visit. The last time I went to Tassie was pre-lockdowns. And so, like, Mount and I just, like, right at the top of my list of places to go next time I visit Hobart. What's your next one? <laughs> Mine is, look, this is quite dull, but if you need it, you need it, you know? Uh, if you know, you know. It's a website called Time Is. It's just time.is time.is if you've ever struggled working out different time zones especially if you're doing like an interview Mm -hmm. you have to be like 
it is your Wednesday and then it is my Thursday and at your six, whatever. If you're recording a podcast, you mean? I love this website. Mm. What's your next one? My next one is a tour uh, of... Music, a tour of music. <laughs> uh, the artists Charlotte Adigiri and Bolas Pupol are coming to Australia for their first uh, Australian tour, technically under these names, uh, in March, presented by the one and only Penny Drop. They're playing at White Bay Power Station in Sydney and the Nightcat in Melbourne, as well as at Golden Plains. And they toured Australia a few years ago, like as members of the band Water with three W's and opened for for Nana Cherry and I just like became obsessed. They're so amazing and have been following their stuff ever since. And they kind of broke out under this project name in 2019 with their EP Zendoli, which came out on Soul Wax's record label, Dewey. Um, And we'll put as always, the link in the show notes with all the details if you're in Sydney or Melbourne. My last one is an interview that you can watch on YouTube. So the London Film Festival has a pretty major um, talks program. They get so many good celebs. And this year they had an hour-long conversation with Greta Gerwig, uh, hosted by Jesse Armstrong. And it's Greta talking about like her whole career, not just Barbie. And it's just gone up online totally free. If you weren't able to get to London for it, I recommend. My last one is a recommendation for Fluffy Brows, which is a business name, not just a thing you can achieve. <laughs> I was going to say. Um, it's a business in, it's located in Cremorne. It's a business. It's a sal- It's a brow and lash salon in Cremorne in Melbourne, um, a place that I would not go to to hang out, but I will make a dedicated visit to get my brows and lashes done by Abby, who is a goddamn genius. I like have barely put a stitch of me without a stitch of makeup on <laughs> Denise and Richards in Drop Dead Gorgeous. Um, I have never loved like the top half of my head more than I have since I've been to visit her. I got a brow lamination with a sculpt and tint and a lash lift and tint recently. And like, I get quite nervous about brows and lashes because you see such extreme versions of them Mm -hmm. online and she sat down with me for like I've got them done before but she sat down with me beforehand for like a full conversation consultation what do you not like what do you like how do you do your face like how how can we make them work for you and the first 24 hours she told me the brows are going to look crazy and the lashes aren't going to be quite right yet after 24 hours perfection great love That's it for this week's episode, but don't forget there is a special bonus episode waiting for you behind the paywall at patreon.com slash see also. Jinxie is going to be back next week with Chelsea Fairless for the annual lesbian Christmas poodle episode. (laughs) This year it's on happiest season, so don't forget you've got to go and revisit that. Um, And after next week, we're going to be going on a little bit of a break until the new year. But we're going to have new episodes dropping every weekend for the Patreon subscribers. So if you don't want your See Also feed to go quiet, that's where you're going to find us. So hopefully we will see you over there. In the meantime, as per, follow us on Instagram at See Also Podcast. And, you know, we would love it if you did drop a little rating and review over on Apple Podcasts. Thank you, as always, to Samuel Hodge for our artwork, Harvey Sutherland for our theme music. Ho, 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 baby. Ho, 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 baby.
podcast powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hi, I'm Una Chaplin, and I'm the host of a new podcast called Hollywood Exiles. It tells the story of how my grandfather, Charlie Chaplin, and many others were caught up in a campaign to root out communism in Hollywood. It's a story of glamour and scandal and political intrigue and a battle for the soul of a nation. Hollywood Exiles from CBC Podcasts and the BBC World Service. Find it wherever you get your podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. <laughs>